More than half of all companies globally are family-owned or operated. Family businesses contribute 70% of the world's GDP and account for 65% of jobs. Their voices are important. Their stories must be told. Brought to you by the award-winning publication, Tharavat Magazine. This is the Family Business Voice with your host, Ramya Elagami. Marshall, the UAE's second-generation tech science. Gaurav Dar is a second-generation tech entrepreneur. His family's firm, Marshall, has been at the forefront of payment technologies in the Middle East for several decades. Gaurav's path to Marshall was not linear. He worked his way through law school before returning to the family business, where his efforts have left an indelible mark on the company, overhauling their operations and expanding their reach into new markets. His work to reinforce Marshall's positioning has taken him around the globe. Through networking with other leaders in his field, he has learned new strategies and concepts to integrate at the family firm. In addition to this new methodology, Gaurav has also initiated Marshall's expansion into uncharted markets. We had the opportunity to speak to Gaurav about second-generation tech entrepreneurship, the evolution of financial technology, and the future of Marshall. Enjoy this episode with Gaurav. Gaurav, my sister was really impressed with you, and uh, that doesn't happen very often. (laughs) She told me about you. She said to me, like, you know, you're one of those really inspiring next-gen stories. So I'm, I'm really curious to talk to you about this because you know, she, she's not easily impressed. You've met her. So. <laughs> so I was really, really looking forward to having this conversation with you because she was telling me about your family business, but mostly about like, you know, how you were sort of like the really in a very fast paced industry and like that you're really like as a next gen bringing a lot of innovation to the table. So uh, without further ado, I'd love for you to just like, you know, first of all, just explain to us a little bit more about what Marshall does and uh, when it was established, and then we'll dive a little bit deeper into the whole disruptive things that you're trying to do, okay? Sure. So thanks. I mean, it's a pleasure and very flattering at the same time. So brown man blushing. <laughs> my family moved to Dubai about 45 years ago. My grandfather came here, then my father came here. So we've been here for a very long time. And Marshall as a company was not actually my father's company when he joined. He joined it as a manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he joined it on the caveat that he actually wanted to be part of the decision-making process. My father, very early on, learned that he was not an employee, but he was an employer or an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. He felt more comfortable making business structures. So he was given a free hand to run what was then, very simply, an office supplies company. Mm-hmm. So the company Marshall Equipment and Trading Company literally came from the fact that it was a company that used to trade in office supplies, tables, Mm -hmm. chairs, furniture. And then he tried to pivot the business a little bit, as you you call it nowadays, uh, which means basically changing what the business makes money and doesn't lose money on. Mm -hmm. And he pivoted to typewriters, photocopy machines, consumables. So... You know, slowly became interested in technology. But before he even joined the business, he was part of Texas Instruments and Unilever. So he understood corporate structures and technology when 
five MB hard drives used to cost twenty thousand dollars, and were as big as as big as you know five laptops or ten laptops put together <laughs> today. Yeah, and that's where he started, and that's where the journey started from one piece of technology, then working with another very extremely dynamic founder of a French company called Gem Plus, which then became Gemalto when it merged with Exalto and now got bought by Talos. Um, and they did all the smart card technology. So, you know, you did the machines that accepted the credit cards, you had the companies that were producing the credit cards. And then we started building all the IP stacks internally, working with banks, working with petroleum companies, and scaling and, you know, growing from country to country, you know, to fast forward 25 years later, 30 years later, and we were the market leaders or still are the market leaders in point of sale technology, supplying all this technology to all the financial institutions in about 18 to 20 countries and, you know, working with all the IP sets we had built. And that's where, you know, that company journey started. And I joined 16 years ago. What's the first thing that you did, Gaurav, when you joined the family business? Like, you know, did you go in knowing that you wanted to make changes or like how, how much time did it take you to uh, get the lay of the land and sort of like, you know, uh, get into your own your own groove? So I walked into this office as a kid growing up on a daily basis. So, you know, I would know the people who were there. It was but it was with a completely different uh, viewpoint. I was just the son of the owner of the family business that would walk in and, and see everyone and greet them and have tea with them and leave, you know, as I was growing up. Now I had to learn everything. So it was very, very, very tough mm-hmm. because what happens is there is a current of you are completely unaware of yeah. because the speed at which the business is moving the, the opportunities that people are discovering, I actually got caught up in two simultaneous currents pulling me in two different directions. Mm. So I joined a business which has, you know, has been existing for about 20 years before I got there, 20, 25 years before I got into the business, 20 years. Yeah. And so there's a pre-existing set of business, which I have to learn. I have to understand and get up to speed with 20 years of business. And at the same time, it was a technology business. So there's so much new technology that we were promoting and having to learn because the industry was going through major changes. Mm-hmm. The financial technology industry was going through major, major shifts at that point. So it was very tough to sort of manage that duality of learning the business as it is and getting up to speed to learn all the new technology there at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's not even including the elements of having 150 customers, understanding the hierarchies within the company, understanding the hierarchy within those customer companies, mm-hmm. the structures. So it was extremely tough. Yeah. And it's, it's very tough also to pull somebody out of the work that they have to teach you. So I had to become a silent observer and learn as much as possible and convert all that information into tangible, usable structure of what to do next, how to take on projects, how to deal with customers, fight fires. So a lot of dancing around on hot cold, learning very quickly where to step and where to not step. So it was very tough. And that whole process, I think, took 
I think comfortably five years. <laughs> you guys are in this sector, in this industry that changes so rapidly, right? Like it's insane. What's happened to your industry over the last sort of like 10 years is, I mean, it's crazy, right? <laughs> like it's, it's unbelievable. And so how did you marry those two things, right? Like, so the fact that you had to be really patient to get the lay of the lamb, but at the same time, I'm sure you knew, and I know actually for a fact that you know how much innovation is required and how much you guys need to be fast at making decisions, et cetera. So how did you, how did you do that? You know, us as a company, we always were at the cutting edge of innovation. But with the industry moving from an offline platform to an online platform is where the big shift happened, telecommunication and the internet. Right? It sounds yeah. crazy, but that's and it sounds obvious, but it's not. Um, especially in the financial technology sector, adoption is always actually really slow. Let me put that into context. We were always the actual technology adoption curve in the region. So as a business for 25 years, I can actually go back and map that the first solution set we provided to the market took 10 years to adopt. Mm-hmm. The next cycle of technology we introduced took seven years to adopt. So for us, it was seemed like we could develop tech loss-leading technologies in-house. And the next adoption curve would be maybe three to five years. And with the growth of telecommunications and e-commerce and websites and apps, that technology shift actually happened in three years, two years. Yeah. So we weren't ready for it. And we weren't looking at it. Mm-hmm. And it's... Zoom passed us. So I said, oh my God, you know, we really have to pay attention to this. So that's where five years ago, six years ago, I started looking at ourselves internally and doing a review. Before making wild assumptions that, listen, we know everything, I had to go and benchmark our knowledge, mm-hmm. our capability, our skill sets, and our ability to define opportunities on a global basis. I see. So it was on that essence that I said, let me go and benchmark myself. So I went to San Francisco, I went to Washington, D.C., I went to New York, I went to India, I've got some exposure in Asia, and then I started talking to people in my industry and, you know, venture capital, angel investing, e-commerce. So I started, you know, talking to people and seeing if my knowledge sets were correct or out of date, Mm -hmm. Um, looking at technologies that were being adopted in all these regions. Were they relevant or were they not? Because what's also important to understand is we've seen a vast number of multi-billion dollar institutions come to the Middle East, sit in my office and tell me that they're going to wipe me out. (laughs) And if we don't do business with them on their terms, they're going to basically grind us into the dust. And we're still here. And they've left. That's where... A number of people who come from abroad underestimate the complexity of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they don't appreciate the levels of time and commitment you have to put in to your customers on a deeper level than just being some fancy piece of technology. Mm-hmm. Just being good for your technology doesn't work. And Gaurav, like throughout this process, was your family supportive of your methodology or like was there doubt about how you were doing things or like you know, how did they react and like what kind of a dialogue was happening internally while you were doing all of this? So this is a very, very, very tough scenario. Okay. Um, 
I spend all my free time and I spend all my life savings outside of the company. So not one dollar came from the family or the family business wow. to chart this journey. So I basically for two and a half years spent all my free time and all my prayer money. Thanks to and my wife is very supportive of all, all of this. So I'm very lucky that a very supportive wife to basically get all this understanding and come up with a thesis. Yeah. On which I basically wanted to look at not only protecting my family business, but building it for the next two to three generations. How do I protect the family business today? And how do I grow it for the next two to three generations? Right. Mm -hmm. And it was, we finally came to a thesis for investing and partnering with companies, which I won't go into too much detail about because my thesis is relevant for my family business. It might not be always relevant for other family businesses, right? They have to do their own discovery process. And so the next start, the next phase of the thesis came to be, which is, okay, you've done what seems to be a good investment. Now, how do we start bringing a revolutionary new piece of technology and lie? Because mm -hmm. The sales cycles or the implementation cycle are very long for technology when you're working with financial institutions, right? You have to have a lot of patience. You have to have a lot of time. There are a lot of moving parts. But we managed to take a technology that does payment transactions using sound waves, right? Which is, which is complete. Yeah, it's completely future frontier technology. Um, and we've managed to go live in the UAE. We've managed to go live in Bahrain. And we're going to go live in Muscat pretty soon. Wow. And we've got, I think, about 50 people on the waiting list who are looking to talk to us from major financial institutions all across the Middle East and Africa and Indonesia, Vietnam, and Thailand. Gaurav, I feel like you've succeeded in doing something which is uh, which is quite rare, right? Like within the family business. It's like, you know, you've succeeded in transitioning really the competitive advantage, I guess, of the family business into something of a hybrid model between that uh, sort of like being that, that state-of-the-art supplier of technology, but also now being sort of like the um, a trendsetter or maybe like sort of like a place to watch for knowledge and insights, which is not an easy thing to do. And, and I think it's, it's really wonderful to see how you've succeeded in doing that. Just, you know, if you think about our readers, these are all family businesses and stuff like that. And next gens are always looking for ways to make their mark or like, you know, understand how they can add value to the family business. If you look around you, other next gens and family businesses, like, you know, what is your advice to them, regardless of the industry that they're in, you know, with regards to how can they take the legacy and sort of like value it, but at the same time, take it to the next level? I guess I can only share what I know, right? Without sounding too much of, of you know, something like a, a preacher, just sharing on my personal experience, I guess uh, the methodology was. As a business, do you feel like you've lost major opportunities or do you think you're going to lose major opportunities? I think as businesses today are so hectic and so fast and being competitive and trying to secure opportunities all the time, if you can avoid doing what I was doing, which is burning up all your free time in 
creating this discovery process. Uh, and if you can make it a part of your daily activity, mm-hmm. I think that is the first big win. Mm-hmm. You don't need consultants. You don't need somebody to tell you your business. But you do need to be able to step back and really look at the holes in your business and, and say, what has changed around me? And where am I relevant? And where am I not relevant? And be honest. I think being honest with your lack of anything, mm-hmm. lack of people, lack of talent, lack of knowledge, lack of exposure. Take all of these things, put them into a bucket, assess them, and then start discovering. Start discovering, can I build another team in-house? What are the next steps that would allow me to secure business and opportunities for the next five years, 10 years, 15 years? In a sensible and reasonable way within your limits. So know what you're good at, know what you're not good at, See where you want to grow. Understand if you can do it yourself or you need structure it in such a manner that you can build a small bridge step by step to get to that point. Super advice, Gaurav. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Family Business Voice. Subscribe to our channels now on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher or Spotify to be notified of our weekly episodes.